Hi everyone, this is Caden with the first ever episode of Happy Hour History, so I'm so glad that you're tuning in. It's probably just people that I recommended this to on my Facebook page, but maybe some other people are listening to this. So the concept of this show is pretty simple, kind of all in the name, but basically I am going to be studying a topic, usually something requested by a co-host, and then my co-host is going to come on. Sometimes they're going to change, sometimes you'll see familiar people. And we are going to basically sit here together, have a couple of drinks, and I'm going to try to teach them the topic as best I can. But basically, this show is a comedy history podcast. So if you're looking for like a straight history podcast that's just going to give you the facts, maybe this isn't the thing for you. So if you uh, listen to this after I've given you this warning and then give me one-star reviews and tell me that we're not accurate enough, then I'm really sorry, but I did warn you. But yeah, so we'll be having fun. We'll just kind of be making jokes. I'll try to teach a lesson each episode, and we'll just be having fun. So today, my first ever host, who's been gracious enough to give me some of her time, is my good friend, Megan. Hello, everyone. That's Megan. (laughs) And, um, And Megan likes history, but it's not kind of like her main thing in life. Unfortunately, it is the main thing in my life because I'm super lame. So she has requested a topic for today, um, and so we'll be getting to that in a second. But just kind of a word of warning, especially as this is the first episode, a couple of things. First of all, um, there's going to be swearing in the show. We're giving it an explicit tag. So if you're uncomfortable with swearing or if you're listening to this with children, I would just say basically like if you can handle Hamilton or if your children can handle Hamilton, then you're fine. If not, maybe you save this for like when you're by yourself. And also, so there's going to be swearing. There might be, like, um, like crude jokes and stuff. I don't really know. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but just kind of prepare yourself for that. It is kind of comedy. We're trying to be a bit lighthearted with it. But it is still going to be history. So basically, if you're not cool with swearing, just stop now. And I'm really sorry, Mom. With that, let's get into the episode. Megan, we are here today. Are we really? We are here to talk about history. So we're doing happy hour history, except it's actually after happy hour. That's okay. It doesn't really matter. That's not the happy hour end. Uh, like five to seven, isn't it? It's like before the drinking really begins. It's like to get. I I, I don't know. It's just. I feel like if you're gonna name it happy hour history, you really should know more about. Yeah, it was honestly just a clever hhh thing, which doesn't really work. Is hour. Hour, it's not how anyway it doesn't matter happy hour happy hour history <laughs> so welcome megan to happy hour history thank you um you sent me a list of things you wanted to learn about <laughs> i don't even remember what i sent you honestly. but you did yeah i did you did that. send a list and you've told me since because i told you what i was researching and then it seems that you forgot so i'm telling you now for the first time because you've forgotten hell yeah that we are doing the topic 
of Hannibal today. Yes! Which oh, is the I topic. I was hoping it was going to be that, that one. That was the first one on your list. Right. And also, yeah. I was sort of interested. Shout out to Mr. Kramer for my original storytelling of Hannibal. I actually had to really research this because I don't know as much about this. Um, so you really hit me with a hard one right at the beginning. Hopefully, some of the other episodes I'll know more about. Uh, so, I'm going to challenge. I'm here to help you grow. Thank you. So the first thing I want to say, um, if anyone is listening to this, like, I don't know why you would be, but if you happen to be, like, a Hannibal historian <laughs> or, like, you study this for a living, please don't listen to this. Please stop now because we're about to really embarrass ourselves. So um, I started out with Hannibal's early life, which makes sense. Start at the beginning. And so Hannibal, it's important to know that Hannibal's life was actually recorded by his enemies, um, the Romans. So everything they say, basically, you have to take with a grain of salt um, <laughs> because they're not really going to want to be pro-Hannibal. Um, and so it's through historians that wrote about the Punic Wars. He was probably born around 247 BCE in so Carthage. Early. Yeah, so he predates... Um, so actually, if you're thinking of Rome right now, I was going to talk about this later, but it's good to bring it up now, especially because I don't think I actually specifically wrote it in my notes. He predates the Roman Empire. So if you're thinking of Rome as like this big power that holds a lot of territory, that's not actually the case at this time. Um, so they really are only mostly in what you would think of as like modern day Italy. Okay. And they hold pretty much all of that, with the exception of, like, a couple of islands and stuff. But they're not up in, like, France, and they're nowhere near, like, Britain and stuff. That oh, okay. all comes way later. Wait, so where is he at? So he's in Carthage. So his name, he's he's usually called Hannibal of Carthage or Hannibal Barca, which I'll get to in a second. Um, so Carthage is in modern-day Tunisia, which is northern Africa, for anyone who's not mm-hmm. familiar with Tunisia, which is fine. So his father was called Hamilcar Barca. Now, this um, whole episode is filled with lots and lots of H names. And I want to say that even when I was, like, trying to study this and was just, like, talking about it to myself, I kept wanting to say Hamilton. So I'm really sorry if at any point I say Hamilton. So there's Alexander Hannibal. <laughs> so there's his father, Hamilcar Barca, and then there's Hannibal. So I'm going to probably stumble over these names a lot because they're just kind of so similar. But so his father, Hamilcar, was a Carthaginian general in the First Punic War, which I'll talk about a little bit later. And the First Punic War lasts from 264 to 241 BC. Um, and because his name's Hamilcar Barca, some people will call Hannibal Hannibal Barca as well. And so the family became known as the Barkids, which makes me laugh a lot because, like, I know objectively it's just a way of, like, making Barca into, like, a plural, plural term. But it makes me think about, like, there's Barca and then all of his, like, Barkids. <laughs> like, all of his children, the Barkids. <laughs> So dumb. So I gotta laugh out of that. The Bar Kids. It's the Bar and the Bar Kids. Anyways. Um, his mother, because history is the worst, his mother was never recorded, so we don't know anything about his mom. Oh, yeah. Who cares about um, her? He also would later get married. So he goes, uh, jumping ahead just a second, but he ends up in Spain for a while, and he gets married in Spain, and they don't really know anything about his wife, except that her name is, and I'm going to say this wrong, but I don't really know that I could offend anyone, because no one really is from this, like, these tribes anymore, but her name is Emilke or Emilce, I-M-I-L-C-E, I don't know how to say it, so I'm just going to leave it alone. I, like, like, tried to listen to the way the other names are pronounced. But no one knows about this wife anyway. No one really cares about her, so mm-hmm. I left it alone. But the basically, women just don't play into this at all. Um, <laughs> so there's also he also had two brothers. One was called Han- Hasdrubal, and one was called Mago. 
What the Which hell? is a funny name. Hasdrubal and Hasdrubal. Yeah. They sound like and... weird little, like, like sidekick villains. <laughs> oh, Mago. It's like Iago, but it's Mago. Uh, I was thinking, like, Pain and Panic. Like, Yeah. My, okay, I love that film. Um, and he also had several sisters, which, again, don't play into the story at all, except for that one of them was married, and that's going to be important in a second. Having said that, we are going to totally stop talking about um, Hannibal for a second anyway. Okay. Um, I'm going to back up just a second because this part of my notes is titled, What the Heck is Carthage? What is it? Tunisia. Yes. So it's modern day Tunisia. It was a Phoenician colony. So the Phoenicians would have originally been in Lebanon and they were traders. They were kind of people who really made um, their money and kind of were well known for being like on the sea. So, you know, boats. Just boats and boats. boats. Just boats. Just boats and boats. So the Phoenicians, I'm just going to talk about the Phoenicians for a second, just so you kind of understand who they are, because everyone kind of knows Rome and everyone kind of knows Greece. Um, but the Phoenicians are also really important, and they tend to get forgotten quite a lot. Um, so at this point, first of all, it's important to know that they control the Strait of Gibraltar, which Ooh. I know you know what the Strait of Gibraltar is, but just for anyone who might be listening, that is the kind of the two, like, points um, on the map, one at the southernmost part of Spain and the other kind of the northernmost part of Morocco that is like the entrance way to the Mediterranean. So controlling that was really important. Um, that'll be kind of relevant later. So the Phoenicians also um, are credited with having the, the oldest verified alphabet. Ooh. So that's pretty cool because obviously the alphabet's really important. It's not our alphabet. Well, obviously. But it's really important that they did that. Now, some people actually argue that it shouldn't be considered the oldest alphabet because it didn't have vowels. How? And some, I don't, honestly, I don't know because you think vowels are what, like, tell you how to make the consonant sound. Weird. <laughs> but they didn't have vowels. So some people say that because of that, it shouldn't be the oldest alphabet. But regardless, most people say it is the oldest verified and it helped to kind of create greek like ancient greek as we know it the other big thing about carthage or about sorry about the phoenicians the only thing that i actually knew from like schooling about the phoenicians was they're credited with like and i'm i'm gonna say this and it is going to be incorrect but they're credited with like discovering the color purple not not the successful film but (laughs) the color when i learned this in school um i was 13 years old and I thought, like, and I don't know if it was the way it was presented to me or if it was, the like, the way that my dumb brain interpreted it, but I thought that that meant that before the Phoenicians, no one knew purple existed. <laughs> and so it's like, you're like, well, that's like 3 a.m. thoughts. You have it, like, sleepovers where you're like, oh, my God, like, what if we've never seen one of the colors? Like, that was my brain. I was like, oh, my God, like, they just didn't know purple existed, and somebody found it. They are like, that's purple. <laughs> just, like, dug in a hole somewhere, and they're like, it's here. Well, so that's not really the case. Um, it's not that nobody knew purple existed. I assume at some point somebody mixed blue and red or, like, looked at the sky in a sunset and was like, hey, that's purple. That's a thing. What they did do, though, is they discovered what's called Tyrian purple. So Tyrian, like, Tyrian Lannister. Um, and so Tyrian purple is um, a dye that you make from snails. So the snails can do, you can do it one of two ways. Basically, you can either milk the snails. I did not research what that actually entails. 
because um, I don't really want to know. But you can milk the snails, which is really labor-intensive, but it's renewable because you can keep using those snails over and over. <laughs> renewable snail purple? <laughs> or the other option, basically, is that you can crush the snails completely, which obviously means they're non-renewable, <laughs> but it's faster than trying to milk them. <laughs> so you can milk your snails. And the exact hue varies, but it can be kind of between a crimson and a violet. So it's not necessarily that they actually discovered like the concept of purple because it is it the color does kind of exist in nature. Well, no, I was gonna say it's not just like one specific hue of purple, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, but the thing is that makes that makes Tyrian purple different is that it's always rich always bright and always lasting which is really important because back then if you think they didn't have like laundry detergent that's color protective so washing it could like washing your could garments throw in the <laughs> just add a little bit of extra stuff in their washing machines yeah, exactly right. yeah so washing stuff could definitely damage the color but then also the sun tended to bleach things so you think mm. we're in the mediterranean so the sun would bleach colors well so the fact that Tyrian purple would last was really important <sighs> This is another one of the gross parts. So, some people were saying that the snails, I guess if, I assume this is if you're crushing them, not if you're milking them, but some people said that if the snails were left to decompose, they would smell so bad that apparently the Talmud would allow women to divorce their husbands if they became dyers after they were married. Now, I actually tried to research this and couldn't find the specific part of the Talmud that mentioned it. So if anyone out there is like Jewish and is really up on their Talmud knowledge, it would be cool to know if that's true or not. But I'm going to put that out there as like a maybe. I thought it was interesting though. Um, so it took about 12,000 snails to yield 1.4 grams of pure dye. What? 12,000 snails? So, where are all these snails coming from? I don't like, know. was there like some secret area where all these snails All the snails were. No one found them before. Right for the milking. <laughs> so that would be enough to trim one single garment. Just trim, not even the what whole the outfit. What the heck? Fancy so, boys. Yeah. So it was really expensive because of how time intensive it was and how little you actually could yield from it. So basically, in if we, because we're going to jump forward in this just a bit since I'm just talking about this weird purple thing right now and not about Hannibal, but if we actually jump forward a little bit to when Rome is an empire, there were sumptuary laws in ancient Rome that basically said that only the emperor was allowed to wear a purple toga because it was so kind of important. So elitist. And so purple becomes like a royal color. Yeah. And it's like, it, that's still something that it's associated with today, even though obviously purple is much easier to make. <laughs> um, to milk 12,000 snails. It's <laughs> a lot of work, girl. And so if you've ever heard the phrase donning the purple, that's like when somebody would take power. So maybe you could become emperor or like become a king or whatever, you don the purple. The other thing is, is the phrase um, to be born in the purple. So this is getting really off topic, but just since I'm talking about it anyway, this happens actually pretty frequently, but the example I'm going to use is in the 1000s when William the Conqueror took power in England, he already had children, and so then he took power, he became king, and so people, there was a whole argument over whether his firstborn son should be the next in line to the throne, or if his first son born in the purple should be the next in line to the throne, and that basically means the son that was born when he was already king of England, because all one. yeah, because well, because all of his <laughs> all of his other sons were born when he was just Duke of Normandy. Some people were like, "Well, that was just the Duke's children." Like you, this first, the same Duke. Yeah, but I don't know. It's, it's it, I do think actually, I'm not certain about this, but I think it's his first son that takes power. 
Hey guys, Caden from the future here um, to say that I totally made a mistake on this. Not that it's that important to the episode, but since I started talking about it, it isn't William the Conqueror's eldest son that takes the throne. His eldest son he didn't actually like that much, so he gave him the Duke of Normandy and it was another one of his sons that takes over as King of England. Both of those sons were born in Normandy, and so he ended up choosing the son that was born in Normandy, not born in the purple to take over as king. But then that son who becomes king ends up dying childless. So then one of uh, William's younger sons, his youngest actually, Henry, then takes power. And Henry was born in England. So technically he was born in the purple, unlike his older brothers. So that's just a weird correction. Sorry that I've had to add this in. But yeah, so to be born in the purple means to be born to like a king. So you're already a prince by birth. Rather than kind of assuming to, like, princehood. I don't know. Um, Anyway, so that's a whole bunch of random crap about the color purple and Carthage and the Phoenicians in general. um, That I just kind of like the background of, like, the things they'd done. Now we're going back to Hannibal. (laughs) So he was born towards the end of the First Punic War. And he only spent the first couple of years of his life in Carthage. So he wasn't there for very long. At age nine, he uh, decided to go to Iberia with his father, mm-hmm. which, of course, is modern-day uh, Spain and Portugal. Supposedly, before they went to Iberia, his father made him swear a sacred oath mm-hmm. that he would never be a friend to Rome. What the? <laughs> never, like, ever. Son, son, don't like this whole race of people. Or... <laughs> what the hell? Ugh, old days were weird, man. Well, so that's the thing. So supposedly this affected the rest of his life. How? How would he remember? How old was he again? He's nine. Like, who was going to remember what their dad made you promise at nine Well, if years your old? dad stopped, you was like, son, <laughs> never, weird. never like the Romans. Yeah, well, I don't think I'd remember it. I literally, I, I mean, Maybe how do people, like, remember? They're like, oh, when I was five years old, like, something, I don't know, I got <laughs> whatever. And now I'm like, oh, it's affected my life. Like, I mean, if it's just something like that, how does that happen? Well, I don't know. All right. Well, Anyways. I mean, phone them up. Ask a him. lot of people. Hello, Hannibal. <laughs> What's up? Um, Hi, uh, operator. Can you send me like several thousand years into the past? Please? It's very normal. So basically, a lot of people think that this is more of like a uh, like Roman foreshadowing because like the people who are writing oh, these histories, to be dramatic. Yeah. So basically, Ooh. a lot of people because the Romans who were writing about this right. were writing about it after. Yeah, it's probably fake. I call fake. Yeah. So a lot of people think it's fake. Having said that, they also had a lot of reason to hate Rome, in fairness. So, like, yeah. it's not necessarily, like, that it's not true. Just the event itself of, like, swearing as oath might not have been the case. Mm-hmm. So, basically, if we flash back a hot second to kind of just, like, a summary of the first Punic War, which I mentioned, that his father was a general in, that he was born at the tail end of. So, that was a 23-year war. Jesus. It's a long-ass time. Um, so supposedly, Yeah, that's true. <laughs> That doesn't make us sound like we're smart. No. We're young idiots. <laughs> Two young idiots. That should be the name of this podcast. Well, yeah. <laughs> Two young idiots trying to talk about history. Anyways, so supposedly his father, Hamilcar, wanted to keep fighting at the end, but that he was, quote-unquote, betrayed by the Carthaginian Senate. How are you betrayed by an entire Senate if you're just one bro? What? Like, you're just well, out here like, come on, guys, we can keep chopping them up. And then yeah, like, exactly. Maybe let's get, let's press pause on this, man. He's like, no. 
Yeah, basically, he wanted to keep... Well, okay, so that's yeah, the thing. he's just one dude. Okay, that's exactly... So that's the thing, again, is that some people think that this is more foreshadowing of, like, the second Punic War that's to come, which means that it would have been added in by the Romans after as, like, a means of explaining it all. And basically, it's, like, kind of their way of almost not only blaming Carthage for the Second Punic War and saying it's totally their fault, but actually specifically blaming the Barkids. So that whole family. Wow, poor them. So to say like, that like that Hamilcar Barca like wanted so badly to keep fighting when his whole when his whole like colony of Carthage was like trying no. to make him be like a crazy dude. Yeah, kind of. Okay. <laughs> but they were like stop fighting. He was like, you no. Know, I appreciate their tenacity. They're yeah. really trying to, you know, they got an image to maintain. They exactly. Got their PR team is on it. Well, the PR team's weird because it's the Romans, which you think would be trying to make Carthage sound bad, which but it kind of does. Trying to make him sound bad. Yeah, through the Barkids, I guess. But anyways, because like that crazy dude, he that was crazy like crazy guy. He was one of their generals or something. Yeah, he was a general. So again, this is probably Roman propaganda that he thought that he was betrayed. He wasn't. This okay. So this is coming from modern day historians that I was looking at, and they basically were saying that he wasn't really betrayed because he was never given the resources to win. So they were never giving him kind of the full things that were, were required to actually beat the Romans. Um, they were basically asking him not to win the war, but just to not lose it. So a lot of, it, this, will come, this will come up a little bit later, but a lot of what they do is almost like guerrilla warfare. So it's kind of like cat and mouse, like just piss them off enough to keep them fighting so that they're wasting energy. Uh, so it's almost like okay. it's not that we want to win the war. We just we just want to keep it going long enough that we're not actually losing it. Um, tactic, which I think is why it's they so weren't scrappy. Yeah, which is I think why they weren't really willing to give a lot of money to it. They were basically like, "Hey, go fight this. We are not going to give you any funding." <laughs> Which is terrible. Hey, dude, I know you might die, but, like, just go for it. Good just, luck. Have just fun. Your all. Yeah. 110%. You, know, go, you got it. It's all about just having fun out there. <laughs> just get out there and just, you know. Do what you got it anyways. <laughs> Listen, it's just, like, warfare. They're like, all right, just have fun with it, just, man. Just take a run with it. You got it. You see what you it. can do with what you... Anyways, yeah. So, yeah. So, people who say that he felt betrayed by them when he wanted to keep fighting... A lot of people argue now that he was he wasn't feeling betrayed. Having said that, we do not know what he felt because he was a general. So if you think about like to come back from a losing an entire war, like to lose a battle is one thing. But he was the general when the war was lost. So that does kind of make him Aren't look there bad. More than one general? He was like a like big general on top. He was like <laughs> big well, general on top. He was Hi, like my name is Mr. Big General on top. <laughs> he was like, you know, he was uh running the show. Okay. Um, so to lose, so like some, so some historians do argue that he wasn't, he didn't feel betrayed. Having said that, I don't really know how we know how he felt. Um, well. but that like he would have at least known that it was kind of coming. Yeah. That they weren't, if they obviously weren't really helping him at all, it's not weird to think that all of a sudden them not helping him would like piss him off. Okay. So, anyways. So that's some propaganda. Um, in this first Punic War, once they had lost it, they lost Western Sicily, which is um, territory that they previously held. Mm -hmm. This was really important because, so I said they have the Strait of Gibraltar, so that's obviously like the westernmost part of the Mediterranean. They also had Western Sicily, which is important because if you think about where Carthage was, it kind of yeah. juts up a little bit from Northern Africa. Yeah. And then north of that, you kind of have Sicily. And so it gave them control they over... They have Malta. I don't know. 
Malta's actually not mentioned in here, so it'd be worth Malta's researching. It's a tiny little baby, so. Yeah. But no, but basically because they had at least part of Sicily, they controlled the narrowest part of the middle of the Mediterranean. So narrow. So they have the middle of the Mediterranean. So if you have the western part and the middle, you have an an immense kind of amount of power over who can be where in the Mediterranean uh, and so how they trade were, like, works. Stopping bitches who are trying to yeah. like sail in their areas. Yeah, okay. and right. so if they want to, because they like I said, the Phoenicians were traders, and Carthage is obviously part of the Phoenicians. And so to have kind of control over the seas is really important to them. So the fact that they lost Western Sicily was a big deal. Now the war ends after twenty three years. This first Punic War. The issue was is that. The Carthaginians have a mercenary-based army. Mm -hmm. So they do have Carthaginians in the army, but they have a lot of mercenaries that they pay from different tribes and such. And that actually, it sounds kind of bad because mercenaries have a negative connotation. Yeah. But it actually made their army much more diverse, both like... You know, like, modern day, like, yeah, I'm diversity. Sure, yeah, I'm sure the HR of the, the army was like, come on, guys, we gotta... We need to have more Celts in our army. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, so <laughs> it made, it gave them diverse fighting styles, which was really important. Fighting styles? Yeah. So different tribes and such would fight in different ways. I imagine a really, really, like, inept general would have no idea how to make that work. Mm -hmm. But if you're a smart general in an army that you know is going to be quite kind of diverse and, and mercenary-based, you can learn how each group fights and then use them to their best ability. Whereas the Roman army is one thing. They do, like, the lines, and they just march <laughs> the in their lines, and they're, they got their shield, their shield lock, and they're, like, good to go. But that's all they do. For the most mix part. it up, you know? yeah. So having, funky with it. Yeah, so having the mercenaries gets a little funky. So, and to an extent, like having that was great, except for the fact that they lost the first Punic War, so they didn't have the money to pay those mercenaries back at the end. Ouchies. Now the, the thing is that the mercenaries, you always think that mercenaries are only loyal as long as the money is there, and to an extent that is kind of true. They were very, very loyal, but when they found out that they weren't getting paid, they decided to fight back. Now. That seems like a criticism of mercenaries, but in all fairness, sometimes when, like, domestic armies found out they weren't getting paid, they also got mad. <laughs> so, like... Well, if, I mean, yeah, like, if you're, if like, you're, risk if you're your like, hey, we're going to hire you to, like, just poke some dudes with a sword. Your whole job is to kill people for us. You might also die, and now we're not going to pay you. God, what a, that's, a, that's a bad setup, man. Yeah. That's... No one wins. So, so yeah, some people kind of criticize the... Con like, not... Like, they criticize, like, the concepts of mercenaries because they're, like, underhanded. They, like, will betray you if you don't pay them. But in fairness, like, I would also betray anyone who, like, made me join the army and then didn't pay me. So it doesn't really matter if you're I mean, a mercenary. Even if, like, if someone, like, hired me, like, you know, if someone hired me to do something, like, I've read stories about people who get, like, hired to, like, mow someone's lawn. And, they and don't then pay don't them, get and paid. They, like, fuck up their lawn. Like, <laughs> you gotta retaliate, you know? Yeah, you gotta fight back. So, yeah, so the mercenaries get mad. And they kind of fight back, and there's this whole fight between the Carthaginians and the mercenaries. And while this is happening, because the Carth Carthaginians are distracted, Rome also steals Sardinia and Corsica. They, like, sneak on in. Yeah, they're like, well, you're busy, so we can see you don't need these. <laughs> you, got, you got your own domestic problems. We're so we're going to take these out of your hands. We're actually trying to help you. You seem Ice busy cold. right now. You know what? Got into Rome, man. They knew they knew what they were doing. You know, they were giving the beat down, <laughs> doing the do. Hit them when they're down, really. Yeah, take their fancy little tropical islands, and then they can all have fun resort time. <laughs> so that was kind of the flashback to what happened 
in the first Punic War, which is kind of, it gives an understanding maybe of why, even if that oath didn't actually happen, why um, Hannibal would have still really hated the Romans, even if he didn't swear to like hate them forever. So back to Hannibal kind of in, in what it would be like the present day of the story right now. So he's in Iberia, like I said. They actually couldn't sail to Iberia because they had lost those territories, and so the sea like wasn't as safe to be on because Rome had more control. So they actually marched over like all of northern Africa, and then right at like the Strait of Gibraltar, they just kind of hopped on a boat and jumped into rough. That's into Spain. Be very deserty. Yeah, and it was it just kind of sucks because before that, obviously they had been so dominant. Yeah, on the they're oceans. like boat dudes. Like, yeah. So they go to Iberia. Um, again, this is like he's nine when he first goes, but he, he kind of grows up there. He His father is still a general. Wait, why did they leave? Um, basically, their whole thing was that they lost these islands. And they're like, well, what if we just go fuck up Iberia now? Okay. And they do. <laughs> what a weird mindset. Yeah, they're like, well, there's just this land over here that the Romans haven't like quite gotten to yet. Um, so they're like, well, we're just gonna do that, I guess. Wow, these guys so Because they had the Strait of Gibraltar and everything, so they're probably like, well, that's the next best thing if we don't have, like, Sicily, like Corsica, and stuff. Story. I'm not rooting for anyone yet. No. <laughs> they gotta prove themselves to me first. <laughs> so, yeah, so they go to Iberia, and he grows up kind of in this military mindset with his father being a general, and so he kind of slowly rises through the ranks and with is able to... a army family. Oh, my God. Yeah. What is it called? Like, a military brat. Yeah. He was a military like, brat. My dad was, um, in the army, and my and so we. Traveled army, around our whole life. gonna be in the army. I mean, yeah, we like, never lived in one place for too long because we were always moving from I mean, base no to base. To those people, because like, but military <laughs> brats do tend to self-identify as military brats. So, like, I feel like that's not offensive. I'm sorry if it is. There you go. Yeah, we appreciate their service, but if you're the one who's just like, yeah, it's like part of my identity, even though you didn't actually do it, then you know, it's not you. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, so he, he kind of slowly rises to the ranks. Um, Iberia was really important because they had silver mines there, so freaking cha-chang, cha-chang. Cha-chang. You need that money, boy. I mean, it wasn't, like, silver, like, not, like, I felt like tin and stuff was more important. Silver was important because a lot of coins at that point were made of silver. <sighs> Baller. Um, so yeah, so they were silver mines, so that was really, really important to have that. And also, some of that silver was a help, used to help pay the mercenaries back. Oh, yeah. So look at that. They're trying to make retributions. They couldn't Happy pay immediately. Ending. But they tried to fix it. Yeah, but what are you going to do with this giant lump of, like, rock that's shiny? That's money, honey. Yeah, but, like, you're like, hey, guys, I got this rock. It's shiny. And they're like, cool, I'll take it. I would like that, please. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, a lot of Romans were paid in salt. Yeah, I think that might be later. Did, salt does something. Sil- like, you can preserve your various meats with it. Yeah, but I, I silver's money. And, like, by that point, they weren't in a, necessarily you, like, in a barter system. Coins? Like, if you had, like, a lump of silver, could you just, like, hack it into some coins and just be well, like, this I is think money so, now? I think so. Well, I mean, okay, so this is really off topic, but um, <laughs> I went to Colonial Williamsburg once. And, <laughs> sorry. And they were telling us how, like, if you had a coin, because it was actually, like, pennies now aren't really made of, like... A valuable metal. Oh, yeah, they're just like melt them down. So yeah, yeah. So basically, back in the day, because coins were actually like worth the amount of metal that was in it, you could literally cut a coin in half, or like you could pay like because like now silverware is like aluminum and stuff. Is it aluminum? What's silverware made of now? That's not silver. I don't know. It's it's a it's like one it's of those straight lead. It's one of those cheap ones. <laughs> it's not lead. <laughs> Definitely, that would be bad. 
Um, but it's one of those cheap, cheaper metals that most, like, not fancy silverware, just like the kind you get at, like, Ikea and stuff, like Target. Yeah, like that silverware that was made by Colt. What? The Oneida silverware? That was, like, all made by Colt. They were, like, trying to figure out a way oh, to make money, and they're like, I never heard of that. Let's just make some silverware. Wow, we were getting really out <laughs> Anyways, yeah, okay. Anyways, so, yeah, so, um, they were telling us in Colonial Williamsburg that if you wanted to buy something, and it was, like, for a compare, like, they told you the price, you could basically just be like, here's half a spoon, and if they, like, weighed it, they knew exactly how much that spoon was worth. And so then you just pay them with a spoon. Like, that's a crazy story. <laughs> hey, you have a spoon? <laughs> so, yeah, so that was, like, when silverware so was actually weird. silver. God, strange. So if you think about it, if somebody gave you a lump of silver back then, it was, that was money. That was currency. Okay, so it's just, like, based on weights. Okay. Yeah, I think that so. That makes sense. Okay. Um, I respect it. Anyways, so they paid the mercenaries because, as I said, as long as they were getting, like, a, a fair wage, they were pretty loyal. So it was good mm-hmm. to kind of keep them around. Where are they from originally? They're, they're going to be from all over, okay. so they're going to be like like local tribes, but just kind of from everywhere. So some of them are going to be African, and then some of them are going to be, I think, European as well. Okay, okay. Um, so at the same time that Carthage is expanding into Iberia, mm-hmm. Rome is also moving further into Gaul, which is France. Gaul, Gaul, Gaul. <laughs> this is another the, one of the topics you want to talk about. Absolute Gaul, <laughs> the Gaul of it all. Um, yeah, so the Gaul of Rome to be moving into Gaul was eh, crazy. We overused the joke. It's too much. The joke gotta, is too far. It's it dead. Now. Anyway, so yeah, they were moving into what's like France today. Um, and like I said at the beginning, Rome was like, like the Roman territory was really just Italy at that point. So yeah. this is kind of like when they're first starting They're just making to, their big break. They're yeah, just they're breaking out. They're getting crazy. <laughs> like they were, like they were always at like, like at odds kind of with the Greeks and stuff. So there was like sometimes I think where they did have Greek territories. Yeah. Um, but this is their this is their real big like Western European like vacation slash like <laughs> conquest. All right, you go, girl. So like, take it. it. Okay. So anyway, so all that's happening. Two twenty nine hits, and Daddy Hamilcar dies in battle. No, he's dead. Aww, he's like gone. how did he die? Stab. I actually don't know. He was just <sighs> so he's he's just Poor gone. Dude. So Hamilcar is Do no they know more. where he's buried. Do you, like, pilgrimage to this, let's, like... Uh, let's mis- definitely look like, it up. Mr. Carr. Hello, sir. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Carr. No, Hamilcar. I don't actually know where he's buried. We'd have to look that up to see if anyone still knows. Because it's obviously... Just... 229 BC is a long time ago. Um. Yeah, he's, like, super... Those bones are going to be... Maybe they'll find him under, like, a Spanish car park. Yeah, maybe. That's just where they find everyone these days. <laughs> Swear to God, yeah, car parks are, like, just crazy grounds. <laughs> Anyways, so after he dies... His son-in-law, which would be um, is the sister who was married. That she was the only one who mattered. Yeah, yeah. She's only married. She's only important because she's married. So his son-in-law, oh, so dumb, and Hannibal's brother-in-law, confusingly also named Hasdrubal. What the fuck? So yeah, so Hannibal, Hasdrubal, Hamilcar, Hannibal. Well, that's the thing. So I, I don't know if you remember because I said this earlier, but Hannibal has a brother named Hasdrubal. There's two of them? He also has a brother-in-law named Hasdrubal. Was this just, like, a common name? So you can imagine, like, the Carthaginian version of Thanksgiving must have been really confusing. Because it's like, hey, Hasdrubal, can you pass me that? And everybody's like, what? Just like if everyone was named Karen. So I actually actually wrote in my notes that Hasdrubal was basically the Carthaginian John. Okay. Everybody's just called Hasdrubal. Do they have a little nickname? Like, hey, Hazzy. Well, I personally... Okay, so this is, this is ridiculous. I started calling because he's the brother-in-law. First of all, he's called Hasdrubal. Hasdrubal? I started calling him Hasdrubal. B-I-L for brother-in-law. So he's Hasdrubal. Okay. Right. And the brother is Hasdrubro. 
that's how I remembered them. It made it <laughs> easier. Two, I has two, bro. It honestly really made it easier for okay. me to remember. It. Okay. Okay, anyway, so Hasdrubal. Which one? Okay, Hasdrubal. The brother in law. Okay. Hasdrubal Affair, his brother in law, takes over as general. Um, so I think, because basically, usually the Senate would pick the general, but I think in this case, um, the army actually chose him, and then the Senate just ratified it, because they're like, you know, they're kind of away anyway. They're like, we're in, what happens in Iberia stays in Iberia. So, <laughs> um, so he serves as general, and during this time, Hannibal is made chief of the cavalry. So Horses. he's Yeah, so he's moving on up in the world, climbing camels? that ladder. I don't know. That would be interesting. There's a lot about elephants, nothing about camels, so they yeah. really messed up. I mean, I don't know. Camels are pretty useful. They could do a lot of stuff. Freaking humps. Anyways. <laughs> Freaking humps. <laughs> what the hell? I don't know. Anyways. I don't really know what else they do. They just retain water, and then you know, when they lose the water, they their humps, do, like, droop. I, no, I was listening to, ironically, or, or whatever, another podcast about how, like, camels, they almost brought camels to the States, because, like, they can do way more, actually, they did bring camels to the States, but they were going to, like, make them, like, the official, like, thing, because they can do, like, the work of, like, six horses or something. I love it. Okay, well, anyways, he's chief of the cavalry. Horses, like, stay his thing for a while, because, like, cavalry them horse. Well. Them horse. Them horse. <laughs> and then in 221, has Drew Bill, the brother-in-law. Uh-huh. Um, also, he also gets killed. So he's assassinated. He's a, and, um, so at this point, Hannibal's 25 and he was chosen to be the next general. What? At 25? Yeah, I know. We're 22 and we're not. I'm not 22. I'm 22 or 21, sorry. Anyways, so well, I mean, maybe we're not going to be. Four years, I'll be a general. That's pretty maybe. cool. That's, that's a big that's move. Sick. That's Too cool. bad your dad's not general currently. Otherwise, you'd have a clear path to success. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. Do you have a Hasdra Bill? No, and my brother would have to get married to <laughs> I'd have to maybe... Hasdrubal. If you ever meet a Hasdrubal, be like, sorry, brother, but this is just, this has got to happen. I mean, I could, yeah. I mean, honestly, feminism. I don't need a Hasdrubal. I can be my own Hasdrubal. <laughs> um, so, he is general now, and, the like, one of the kind of first things... Is it just because he was related to the first one? They're like, yeah, I guess so. Honestly, they're just, like, the freaking Barkids, like, that, they're just running the show. Yeah, but, like, that's just, that's, like... That's so monarchy styles. Yeah, they're like, why? Like, they're like, yeah, this kid. I mean, he did grow up with his father being that, and he did, like, serve in the military and stuff, so, like, whatever. I don't know. Okay. I'm not going to try to... Give him a free pass Those freaking military brats. I'm not going to try to defend it back in the ancient times, but... I'm called nepotism, though. (laughs) It probably was. So, um... Wasn't he worried about him getting assassinated, though? Like, why did a brother... Like, yeah, honestly, if my dad got killed in battle, and then my brother-in-law has rebuilt and got assassinated, I'd be like, mm, maybe this isn't the job for me. I would just, like, go hang out, like, It's in... probably because he took that oath. He's like, ah, oh, I gotta kill them Romans. Yeah, but he was... Who remembers that shit? If anyone out there made I some remember sort being of, nine, like, life... Maybe. Yeah, I remember being nine, but, like, I feel if like... If you took a life-affirming oath at nine, I feel like you might remember it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't... Can you... Okay, tell me something specific that happened to you when you were Okay, never old. mind. Okay, Tell I'm me sorry. something specific. I'm sorry. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Thank right. you. I don't even remember what year nine was. <laughs> I don't know. 1996 plus nine? <laughs> oh, yeah. We I don't want to math that right now. It's 2006. You're right, girl. No, it's not. <laughs> well, yeah, I was... 2006. <laughs> No, 2006, I was nine for most of the year, because oh, my birthday's at the November. end of the year. Uh, yeah. Huh. Anyways, we've got to get off topic again. No, um, we haven't. I was proving a point that if you're nine years old and you make an oath, you're probably not going to remember it. Well, but if your dad, like, took you aside and he was like, 
like made a big like show of it. Like yeah, it's a but big my dad old... always tries to teach me like life lessons. Like he like while well, I'm like stuck in the car with him, uh. he's like, I want to tell you like this is what you're gonna do with your like you gotta like save your money and like don't be a bit. Okay, like, I'm <laughs> sorry, but like I know his name has car in it, but I don't think Hamill Car was like just sat in their freaking <laughs> like Toyota being like, hello, son, <laughs> Toyota Camry. Hey, let's let's sort this shit out. So you know those gonna... Romans. Smash them. Smash. Destroy. Don't smash them in the sense that you're going to smash them. Smash them. Smash them as in destroy. All I'm saying is that I don't, I call fake still. Well, regardless, he's not pleased with the Romans. So what happens is, is that there's a city called Saguntum in Spain, and this city was under Roman protection, and they'd actually requested it. I said you are going to say it was underwater. It's not underwater. That would have been better. That would have been weird. And we found Atlantis, and it's Saguntum. (laughs) Been to the year three. No, God, no. We can't start the Jonas Brothers thing. It's amazing that they're back together, though. Um, <laughs> Saguntum was under Roman protection, and they'd okay. actually requested this, and it, like this was historic. So it's not just like the day before Yeah, they were like, hey, Rome, help us. So they'd been under Roman protection. Okay, okay. Um, because they were worried about local tribes. Right. So not really even worried about Carthaginians. They were just worried about others. What did local others. tribes ever do to them? Well, I assume they were also a local tribe, but they were like, hey, Rome, help us. They were just like a special local tribe. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, so the city of Saguntum, under Roman protection, but Rome mostly ignored them because they had like loads of things to do. And we got other problems. Yeah. And I mean, Saguntum's nowhere near them. They're not in Spain, so... Like, Rome's not doing yeah, stuff in Spain. Yeah, why are we helping them, then? Honestly, no. Like, if someone, like, phones you up from, like, yeah, super far away, and they're like, yo, can you help me? <laughs> like, no. No, thanks. Um, but, yeah, so the most, Rome mostly ignored them, but technically they're under protection. So Hannibal, at this point, like I said, like, their whole Barkid movement was kind of to try to take over Spain, and they've been doing pretty well. And so he starts moving towards uh, Saguntum. And Roman, the Romans basically use this as an excuse to kind of give him, like, a slap on the wrist. And be like, don't do that, bitch. Don't come they towards don't Saguntum. Come. We protect them. Even though they didn't really care about Saguntum. Were, were they even nearby? How would they mobilize that fast? Um, well, they weren't really mobilized. It was just kind of like a, hey, don't do that. We see you. Oh, they, like, sent him a, like, strongly worded letter. Uh-huh. Yeah, they were like, mm, we know what you're doing over there. We don't like sir, it. Sir, sir. So, so he kind of took this as a challenge. He was like, I'd like to speak to the manager. <laughs> Excuse me? He's the most powerful Karen in the world, and that is Hannibal. <laughs> the most powerful Karen. Okay, anyways. I got them humps. <laughs> okay. So Hannibal put Saguntum under siege. Ooh, and old so, school styles. Yeah. Like, honestly, what happened to sieging? Like, well, like, no one's got walls anymore, except for a merc. No one, no one has walls. <laughs> Well, you can siege a house, but it wouldn't take very long. No one's got. Honestly, you've not been to my house, okay? It's like fucking Costco in there. My best friend, the first time she ever went there, she thought that we were like lunatics who were like stocking up for zombies. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the the required like sustenance. I'm talking about like the walls themselves. Like I could come in with a freaking axe and like take down your front door. Anyways, just trebuchet my (laughs) entire existence. Exactly. You know what? My my house was built by the person who owned before it and. And he was a pretty shitty builder, so you could. If I it. fall through your ceiling, it's because I've been trebucheted <laughs> at your house. But of course, we the have a walls... skylight. You could just fucking pop that shit open. Nice. Okay. Perfect. Anyways, so yeah, so they, he puts Saguntum under siege. The Romans, because mostly a because they kind of ignored Saguntum anyway, which uh-huh. is using them as an excuse. But b they were also kind of engaged with a kerfuffle in Greece. 
So they were kind of busy anyway, but they reacted really slowly to this. And by the time their aid arrived months later, Saguntum had already fallen to Yeah, Hannibal. like, if you're already sieging for months, like... Yeah, and, like, you can't... A lot of places can't can withstand that. how slow it would have been to travel back then? So slow. You're like, hey, I want to go, like, just, like, over there a little bit. And they're like, hi, thanks, that'll take you, like, seven years. And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> like, now we just, like, hop on a little flighty boy, and we're just, You're like, just across the world. Like, people like, complain... Like, people died on their, like, a boat on the way over to, like, what we do all the time. Yeah, people complain plane going from like the uk to australia because it's like sometimes kind of like a two-day adventure with like all the airports and stuff yeah but like that is literally send all those convicts like you have changed hemispheres like you like your time zones are completely different and that's like a maybe two-day adventure yeah it's crazy anyway it's not fun but no it's not fun but you get there they didn't always get there anyways so yeah, so the aid arrives too slow, Saguntum falls, and Hannibal continues moving further north. So he's continuing to try to take um, the rest of Did Iberia. Did he not even do anything with it? Um, I mean, like, I don't think he actually cared that much. He was just trying to get the whole the whole of Spain, like, doing his do. Did he know that Rome, like, was like... Oh yeah, he knew they were not pleased. I like how he just didn't give. He's like, he doesn't right, care. beat you, let's move on. Next. So Rome basically ordered Carthage out of Spain. Now, this is a couple of reasons. First of all... Um, it would weaken Carthage to not have Spain, but also if they're gone, then Rome can get in there, and we know that there's those silver mines, so they're thinking, Chang, get out of Iberia, bitch. Honestly, what's up with people in, like, metal? Like, metal. what happened? Like, what, what Killing happened? each other over metal. Who was metal? the first person that picked up a shiny, and they're like, my, this is money. my God. <laughs> this is the thing we will kill each other over. So Carthage refused to leave Spain, and war was declared. Now, I also read some places that war was declared because the Romans told Carthage to hand over Hannibal, and they said no. So it could be partially because they didn't leave Spain and partially because of the Hannibal thing, or it could just be Spain. I'm not really certain on that one. But How old is he at this point? He's still in his 20s. Wow. He's so got a, He's got a pretty impressive CV. Yeah. A resume. Yeah. He's really trying to impress his next employer. <laughs> I like to switch careers, please. This shit sucks. <laughs> Career prospects from general aren't great, so you really need to get out of there fast before you die. You could just be like, I don't know, a cobbler. <laughs> Who knows? So he realizes that the fighting is going to take place in Spain and in Carthage. And so he doesn't want the fighting, especially in Carthage. So he decides that he's going to basically take the fight to Italy. And he's going to sort of surprise them. <gasps> is his sneak is his goal is to, yeah, to basically sneak attack. Because everyone thinks it's going to happen in Northern Africa and in were Spain. Like, were there like gossip papers in the days? <laughs> everyone thinks this fight's going to happen in Spain. Exactly. The tabloids are like, God, OMG, do, how you'll how never guess. news back then? People must have just been like living their lives. Three and, years like, later, like, oh, we lost that war? They're like, what? There was a war? Uh, maybe that's why it's it like, took so long. What? Honestly, like, who? People just live their lives without knowing all the other shit that's honestly ignorance is bliss, though. So it would have been so much easier. Now we just get constant updates to our phones, and you're like, wow, the world is garbage. Yeah, if you were just, like, chilling on your little potato farm. As like, long as, like, you know, the Romans don't show up, and they're like, hi, you're dead now. Because <laughs> then you'd have no, you'd no advanced warning. Anyways. So Hannibal decides he's going to take the fight to Italy. Yeah. And I was thinking about this. I mean, I'm not a military expert, but I was interested. I'm not. Oh, that's why I was really here. Oh, good. You're going to love this then. Um, No, I was interested because you always hear about, like, kind of home field advantage. Because, like, if you're on the defense, you're protecting, like, 
your your home and your family. Yeah, like you know, yeah. Well, well, you know the land. You know the land. You're protecting the things that you love, so your fighters are more likely to fight a little bit more like courageously and be willing to do more to protect. Get a little scrappy. Uh, yeah. So I was thinking, like, it's interesting that they chose to do it, but I guess this, like, the kind of advantage of sneak attack is also sort of good. And the fact that you're not in your home territory, so you're, you have you're the kind of offensive. Casualties, yeah. yeah. So I was interested just you kind of casualties. on the thought. Exactly. Freaking kill him. Yeah, because he took that freaking oath. No, sorry. Whoa. I know that probably didn't happen. I'm just going to keep bringing it up now. I know. Stop it. You're, you're so convinced that it didn't happen. I'm a skeptic. Happen. I'm going to start a whole conspiracy blog about how it didn't happen. Just that one specific thing that no one gives a fuck about. I love it. So, okay. So, 80,000 troops were approximately what he started with. And then he had elephants. Is that a lot back then? Yeah, it's a pretty... I would... I mean, again, not a military expert. I would think it's a lot. Okay. And then he had probably about 30 elephants. I love it. I respect the hell out of elephants. Um, <laughs> They're the real heroes. The real heroes. Our war heroes. Can't believe we don't use elephants today. We just have tanks. That's so I mean, boring. They're kind of endangered, so yeah, that's true. Like, and tanks are like like let's give them a break. Automated elephants, if you think about it, they're just they're automated <laughs> elephants. They're just big, and they can ro- like they can just roll over your body yeah, if they but want they're not to. Smart elephants are so smart. Like, but did you hear the about people that in that, like, tanks like, are that like got hurt and like went back to the humans because they knew the humans. Were, yeah, like, so cute. that's such a cute. Anyways, like tanks aren't cute. I that's mean, true. Maybe if you like stick some googly eyes on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, weird thought of the day. Let's do that now. Honestly, revolutionary idea. I could probably sell it to the like can defense, we, the, like like sell it to U.S. military for like. Can we just dollars. start like photoshopping googly eyes on tanks to make them cuter? <laughs> my my first. So um, I'm gonna get to this later, but this podcast has a Twitter, and my first tweet's definitely gonna be uh, a, a tank, tank with googly <laughs> eyes, and there's gonna be no context. <laughs> Yeah, for the for the three people out there who listen to this first is episode. like probably your mom. One of probably you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's me. We can see the tank well, with the well, goofy Really enjoy that, that Twitter thing. Well, it'll be funny. So yeah, back to what we were talking about. You got eighty thousand troops, thirty elephants. These numbers are all approximate. Cause it depends on the source you're looking at. Yes. Um, and so they decide they're going to march through Spain, France, which is like the Gaulish area, and then across the Alps. God. Such because again, they can't go on the sea. What? Ah, the. I feel like that first. Wow. So, sorry, hard, you? hardship. Like hardship. they had it all, and they just rolling in the deep. No, stop. <laughs> they can't roll in the deep because they can't go in the oceans. They could swim. <laughs> Not with the elephants. I, can I let them swim? I don't. I, I actually no. Okay. Anyways, not important. I don't think over the ocean. Um, so they had to, like I said, they had to take this because they couldn't go on the ocean. Yeah, yeah. And they used the march to get the army ready. So he actually didn't go directly to the Alps. He actually spent some time, like, roughing some people up in Spain just, like, for the fun of it. He was it. just, like, noodling around? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yes, he was noodling around. That's a thing. Um, he basically wanted to, like, bloody up his army bloody to get him, like, a little, like, rough and ready, you know? Yeah, but he just wanted to cause him pain. Yeah, he just wanted to, like, get him, get him like, yeah, raring to go. Yeah, mentally prepared. It's, uh, like their tra- it's like their training, hype. it's like their training montage It's sequence. hype. Yeah. God, it's like the, that Mulan song. It's yes. Like the, he was just doing to that. To defeat, crash, crash, the Huns. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, so they, they didn't go right to the Alps. They kind of fought first. And so they go to the Alps eventually, and it's autumn. But your boy doesn't want the Romans to know what he's doing. So he's like, hey, it's autumn, but what if we just went over the Alps anyway? I mean... It's a bad move. 
Honestly, respect. Do I know. They have, like, do, they, do they have little coats and stuff for the elephants? Like little feeties like, for them? So that <laughs> little booties? Cool? Yeah. I don't know. Like they kind of knit little like cute little sweaters for them. Um, so what I do know is that, um, so first of all, he left some of his 80,000 troops in Spain. Okay. Because he did know that the Romans were going to come from that uh, direction. So you don't want to like leave it totally. So he left. So his brother um, Hasdrubal Hasdrubro stayed in Spain with some of the troops, but like I don't think that many. Okay. And then they spent about seventeen days crossing the Alps. Is what I saw. That's actually not that many. I also thought that too. I was like, I thought it would be longer. I mean, to be fair, like the Alps, like aren't like they're just real tall. Yeah, like, they're not like that. Like how? But how did they? Do get... not know. I don't even. I'm not really like, sure. How like how you? How you... Much, your calves are gonna be ripped. They're gonna have some good ass calves after that. Yeah. So because they went in autumn, they were dealing with the weather, the kind of incline, and also hostile tribes. And there were hostile tribes in the Alps? Oh, yeah, boy. Who was the first person that's like, saw those big-ass mountains? Like, that I would like love a, it to be my can home. You imagine, like, if you had, like, a grocery store. And you, like, House forgot, Hunters Alps. Like, if you, like, forgot the milk and you're like, <laughs> fuck. Like, I gotta turn around and walk all the way back down and back up again. That's why you just have a sheep. Anyways, they cross the Alps. They get to the other side in about 17 days. And when they get there, they have lost about 54,000 troops. What? So, um, some did, they just, they just, some of these people died, and then some people deserted. But to be honest, halfway through the honestly, though, if I was like, I'm not going to make it to this side, I'd be like, fuck it, I'm done. I just, right. I'm turning around. Turning around. About, like about face, boys. I mean, to be fair, I don't understand people who climb really tall mountains. Like, yeah. I'm just like, why would you? Like, why no. risk it? No. Um, so, yeah. So, I did the math, which wasn't hard. <laughs> and they lost 67.5% of their total. What? Audience. So that's literally just over two thirds. That's so many. So he made it to the other side with about twenty six thousand troops. What the heck? What? How? They don't like, even. Did people just like were they just? Did they just all get frostbite and just? Yeah, I wonder like if there's if you like dug down. Like, I know you, it's hard, but like I wonder if like bodies have ever been found from that. I guess like up at the. T- I mean, they probably didn't climb all the way to the top. No. and back down again. No, and they wouldn't be preserved like they would be on Everest. So no. I don't know, but it'd be kind of cool if they like. Found remains from that or something. Anyways, they do not tell you how many elephants made it over, but some did. Not all of them. Definitely some of those elephants died. They should. Uh Maybe they had the booties. Some of those elephants made it and then died later. So if you're looking for a cute animal story, this is not it. I mean, maybe at least I could have, like, I guess, like, eaten them or something. What would elephant meat taste like? I don't know. You think it's fatty or you think it's just normal? I don't even know. Because they're meant to be that size. It's not like they're, like, (laughs) chonky. (laughs) Chonky? But, like, is it, like, a gamey flavor? Oh, I don't know. Maybe somebody's, like... Do you think we could Google that? <laughs> They're probably going to think we're crazy people. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go with, like, maybe, like, like pork. Mmm. Bold choice. We'll Google it later. We'll what find out. Eat? What do the elephants eat? Because that would play into it. Like, what you eat. They eat like, leaves and stuff, don't they? They're not... They're, they're not, not, like, carnivores. No. Or, like, omnivores or whatever it's called. Like, they I don't just know. eat grass. Maybe they taste like I beef so. then. I don't know. Anyways. We gotta, we gotta call up our local poachers and ask them. Hello, what does an elephant taste like? The Trump boys might know. <gasps> yeah. They kill a lot of them. It's like, you know, might as well. Give them a little taste. Fry up this <laughs> elephant <laughs> steak. Honestly, that's the worst. They're not even using the whole elephant. They just take off the tusks and leave yeah. the rest of it to die. We should call the president and be like, beyond all the things that I would like to just question you about, I actually want to know how you taste an elephant. Because you're the only person we think would be classless Honestly, enough to do that. You know that. you know they have. You know in your heart. 
Anyway, so some elephants made it, some didn't. And then Hasdrubro, later on, so this isn't immediately after, but later on, he also crossed the Alps, but he did it in spring. And just to kind of prove the point of how stupid Hannibal was, he suffered no major losses. So 67.5% versus virtually zero. Yeah, one of them's like, a nice, the like a nice, like, spring hike. It's like a friggin', like, yeah, it's like a nice, like, spring vacay. Like, like, it's like when your friends from back home post on their Instagram that they're going on their, like, European backpacking trip. Like, that was Hasbro. trying to find themselves. Yeah, he was just trying to find himself, but, like, with an army. Let's <laughs> <And, laughs> just find our peace. And just find our inner... It's like a yoga thing. A yoga thing? It's like a yoga thing. Like, find your zen. So, the Romans, at this point, were still more or less unaware that Hannibal was even coming to them. So when they arrived in northern Italy, it was like, surprise, bitch. I bet you thought he didn't last to me. Did they know what he looked like? Like, was there, like, pictures, like, wanted this man? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> because if he just showed up and he's like, guess who's fucking here? And, and they're, like, they're like, we, who are you? We actually don't know. Can you announce yourself, please? But like, but, like, did they speak the same language? Like, did they all, like... Um, I would think... My guess is that people would kind of vaguely know Greek. Okay. Because we're at the point, like, the when the Phoenicians first created their alphabet, that was, like, Baxis. Like, we're going back in time. <laughs> um, but Greece, by this point, was kind of, like, a very dominant, like, cultural thing. Like, Greece... At this point, Greece is kind of on the decline in terms yeah. of, like, yeah, yeah. world power. Yeah. But they're still a cultural kind of hegemon. They're, they're like the, the universal business language, much like English today. Yeah. Okay. So even though China's like on the rise, people are still speaking English. Okay. And that's kind of the same with Greece. I mean, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. So I'm not positive that they would have spoken Greek. I didn't actually look up what language they spoke, mostly because yeah. I don't know if that's something people would have noted well, down. Well, he just like showed up and he's like, it's me, bitch. And then they're like, but one, we can't understand you. And two, like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Slower. We can't hear you. Like, excuse me. It's like when people like yell at immigrants yeah, they and they're like, hello. <laughs> Can you? And it's like speaking slower and louder doesn't help. It's not going to do anything. Just progressively slower and louder until you... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, now this is my tangent into the elephant for a hot yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I know you like the elephants. So it's honestly the only reason I'm here today. Good. That's most most people know. If if you know nothing about Hannibal, most people would say Hannibal elephant. And that's like all you Mad need. Michelson and well, yeah, and you either think Hannibal cannibal or you think Hannibal elephants. If you think in history, though, you'd think Hannibal elephants. So he, uh, so elephants were important because they were basically like proof, almost of like the prestige of the Carthaginian army. Prestige. So they'd been using them, from what I understand, um, they'd been using them for about 50 years before what? that. Oh, so they were like... So they, this wasn't this wasn't a new thing. It wasn't like a trick move where he's like... No, no, no. This was like an established like thing. like a plus four Uno card. He's like, surprise, <laughs> bitch, it's elephants. No. Um, oh, see, I thought it was. And they weren't even the... I don't even think they were the only people using elephants. Because elephants are, are big... And they're much faster runners I'm than still, you might I'm think. I'm still team camel. <laughs> they're fast. That's terrifying. Yeah. Oh, no. People think that elephants are slow because they're big, but elephants can run pretty can quickly. Can you ride? Like, can you, like, ride one into battle? Yeah, people did. I mean, I'm, yeah, people were put saddles people, on them. Yeah, okay. people rode yeah, them. that's fair. So, basically, because it was sort of established. Run. I want to see one run really bad now. Can we watch a video after this? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so because it was kind of the established thing, and it was like a prestige kind of honorable thing to have an elephant in your army or multiple elephants. What? 
Um, it would have almost been like bad PR not to use. <laughs> it's like, oh, your army doesn't have an elephant. Wow, go elephants! I mean, poor them, but like, <laughs> what fun! So the, I wonder if they liked it. Like, if they thought they were having a good. They time. were like, "This is a fun." This yeah, is- they're like having a little romp around. They're like, "Yay!" <laughs> <laughs> some of them maybe, some of them no. So they were at least in the beginning. The elephants were trained, like to do tricks, <laughs> to be to be an army elephant. So to basically be a murderer. <laughs> Do maximum damage. <laughs> basically, basically not to spook easy. Because uh, if you can spook the elephant, it's going to be a mess to everyone. Sp- okay, but if you spooked it, I feel like that would cause maximum chaos. But you want it to cause maximum chaos to a certain but group. But how would you train it? Like, hey, look at that dude. He looks basically the same well, as Well, no, really I, think it's, I think it's kind of like the way that you might train a dog out of, like, like almost to desensitize them to, like... Um, like noise and like that kind of stuff. So that but then the how do you chaos... tell them to kill? They're like, oh, uh, I'll get to that in a second. Okay, all so, right. What the hell, elephants? So why can't we de- like? Why don't we have domesticated elephants now? Like, why don't people like? As you said earlier, we don't have that many elephants left. That's true. I mean, I feel like some rich person out there has tried to have a pet. Elephant. Probably no, probably, definitely. So they were tra- at least in the beginning they were trained, but there's still kind of question over how, like, to what extent they had armor on. So some people think they had a lot of armor. Some people think they had a little armor. armor we got to protect your elephant. It's yeah. an asset. So when I said booties earlier, that wasn't even a lie. Well, armor is not very warm. And it's not very protect. Like, yeah, it's not weather protecting. Shoes. put little shoes on it. I don't think they wore booties. <laughs> but I would like it. That would be very adorable. Um, they were also, um, so they were smaller forest elephants from Africa. So they're actually smaller than a regular African or Indian elephant. Okay. And I, from what I understand, this type of elephant is now extinct, probably because they were using so many wars. I just think of like, like the Prince Ali sequence in Aladdin, where he's like, and then all like elephants like burst. It in like and they're like stops. they're like walking in a big line. They're like, yeah, it's me, but it's Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. It's to me, the elephant. And they just have little like hats on and stuff. Oh my god! He shows up in Italy and he's got his stereotypical Italian accent, even though he's from Africa. He's like, it's to me. The elephant. Anyways. <laughs> what? Anyways. Okay. Um. Now this is my other favorite thing. So I, if I go back to um, my seventh grade history class that I mentioned already. So what they taught us, and again, this might be me misremembering the lesson, but I remember that we learned a lesson about Hannibal. And then we were supposed to go home and our homework assignment was that we had to reteach the lesson to our parents. And we were like, they, me. yeah, like this. Oh my God, am I your mom? Yeah, exactly. And so they proved... To prove that we did it, um, your parent had to Ooh. write. <laughs> Good job, Melanie. <laughs> so, so to prove that they that we did this assignment and actually taught the lesson to our parents, they had to write down like a fact that they learned or like their favorite part of the story and then sign it. And that was like the whole homework assignment. So they just sign it. Well, yeah, they're like they wrote it because they didn't want us to just say like. I love that part and pretend like we were our own parents. Um, you could have done it anyways. They don't know what your parents. I know, are but whatever. I did teach my mom the lesson. Yes, because you're good. So at I taught the same. So so I taught my mom about Hannibal, and this is the thing that you you might already know this because the thing if you think Hannibal and you think elephants, the next step people usually make is drunk elephants, because that's like the thing that everyone talks about is like how he got his elephants drunk. I mean, you gotta let them party. You know, if they're <laughs> doing all the work. Then you know. Yeah. I'm fun. Gotta work hard, play hard. Anyways. Although, do, they, do you think they like it? Well, that's okay. So, I remember when I learned the story in that class, we learned that he got his elephants drunk 
when they were about to go into battle because it made them a little bit angrier almost. Because what they would do, supposedly the story is, they would get the elephants drunk and then they would prod at their... They, okay, they would point them at their enemies. That's the first thing you got to do after they're drunk. <laughs> and then they would prod their ankles. And that apparently pisses them off and they're drunk. So they basically just stormed ahead, like straight ahead at their enemies because they were angry. That'd be scary. Yeah, so that's how you make them. So if they're if they're desensitized, apparently they're not desensitized to angle prodding. That still makes them mad. It's like, yeah, I don't feel anything except for my ankles. That's my weak spot. Watch out. They're freaking touch my Achilles. Ankle, I will kill a bitch. It's their it's their Achilles ankle. Do they have female elephants or is it is this an equal opportunity? I don't know. Like, that's an interesting employer? question. I never thought of that. I feel um, like they would have had to, because then they could have ba- oh babies. Except for then they would die. Anyways, um, they could have like had a little friend. So basically, when I taught my mom this story, we talked about that. We talked about other things. It was a whole lesson on Hannibal. And when she wrote her favorite fact inside it, she wrote, "I liked the drunk elephants." So that's all she wrote. And my teacher had to read that, and she didn't take it very seriously. I love you, mom, but what's up? Um, so that's the only thing she took away. I mean, to be fair, it's the best part. So it is. No blame. Having said that, the best parts are always sometimes fake. So I tried to look no! into this. I'm sorry. Are you no, going to no. ruin this for Well, me? I looked into it because it did seem like it might be too good to be true. And what I learned was is that... Um, yeah, but animals get themselves drunk all the time. There's like bees who get like fucked up on stuff. Okay, but the thing... Okay, so it's... From what I understand, it is true that ancient elephants may have been given wine or beer... How much wine would they have to drink? That's the problem. So they would be given wine or but beer. But wasn't wine back then, like, super strong? Like I don't know. Like, I, I think I watched, like, some, like, thing about, like, how, like, they were, like, analyzing, like, Tyrion Lannister and how much he drank. And because wine was, like, super strong, like, back when it was, like... Because it's like medieval yeah, I mean, setting, like he would have been like fucking dead by all the time. <laughs> like no, like um, actually dead. Yeah, he would have been just dead. Um, no, so he, so they would have been given probably wine or beer, um, but not all the time, and it probably wasn't enough to get them drunk. So what I was reading, and this, like obviously, this is kind of a modern question about it, but somebody said if the wine was ten percent proof, which is I don't really know. That seems hot. Uh, yeah, that, but that if you're thinking that it would have been stronger, like this is like. 4. Four, but we're, like, weak, so... Yeah. Well, we've also had more than one. But anyways, but if it was 10%... I mean, elephants would have more than one. Well, obviously. <laughs> that's the problem, is that if one was 10% proof, then on average, you would need 10 to 20 liters per elephant to get them drunk, which is just too much. Like, it's not impossible, but it's just a lot. Who could, who who does experiments on elephant drunkness? Like, I think it was... Maybe they're all just really lightweight. Maybe. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because they just eat, like, plants and stuff. I don't know. So, but, so basically, like, and the thing is, is that um, the historians, the Roman historians who wrote about the war, um, now granted, they might not know everything, but they did write about alcohol and how it helped in other senses, but they never once, none of them ever mentioned drunk elephants. So it how does make you think. I was drunk, though. Like, you can't. Could breath- you imagine? You can't breathalyze an elephant. Could you imagine a drunk elephant stampeding you? I don't know. Maybe it's. Yeah, how, maybe it looks the same as yeah, a sober like elephant. How, stampeding. Like, what is it going to do? Like, stumble a little bit? I don't know. Like, I'm you not can't, like, sure. test it and be like, that elephant's drunk. Well, the thing is that they talked about, like, how alcohol was used um, during the trip over the Alps to, like, actually help clear some of the paths, which makes. Which is confusing, but I think it has to do with, like, using fire to clear oh, the paths. Oh, okay. So if, like,. If you assume that that story is true, which it could be fake, it could have just been made up, but if you assume it's true, then they clearly heard it from someone. 
like they like a Carthaginian told someone, and then that went somehow to the historians. Yeah, you could just make up shit back. Oh then yeah, everything. Lady. This whole story. Could like, be like I saw someone who had a. I don't know. I can't come up with anything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I saw but someone who had something. This, this could have been mostly like like the bare bones of the story could be true, and all of the details could be wrong, and we never know. God, um, that sucks. Which is why history is crazy. You need to time travel. But basically, so. Because none of the historians write about the drunk elephants, it does make some historians today think that it didn't happen. However, I was watching a BBC, like a little clip, and not that the BBC is by any means like the end all be all the of history. expert of all things drunk. Elephants? Just drunk. Yeah, just drunk. Just drunk. <laughs> Hi, we're the BBC and we're the experts on all things <laughs> drunk. drunk. Um, so I was watching this clip the and. British Beverage Company. There you go. And so I don't know how true it is, but basically they they were talking about this and they were they were saying the story as if it was very true that the elephants were drunk, which is of course like that's like a that's a stance you can take. And then they interviewed a modern day elephant trainer. Yeah. And he was like he was just like an elephants love to be drunk. And I was so confused. I was like, does he get his elephants drunk a lot? Like how does he know the elephants? Honestly, love it? I just think everything loves getting fucked up. If you have just, you know, because everyone's got problems. Elephants got problems. They need to deal with them. I'm, I don't. They don't have to deal with like taxes and shit. But they got other <laughs> problems. Probably. I mean, they got they got stuff on their mind. They got you know. They just want to have a little fun. Yeah, know? they want to party. Elephant rave. So yeah, he. I just found it amusing that he was just like, yeah, the elephants are drunk. Clearly, that's normal because elephants love being drunk. And I was like, oh okay. <laughs> Thanks, sir. Um, Honestly, respect. Why can't we be modern day elephant trainers? We've chosen the wrong career path. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I I regret I have many regrets. Although training to be like a zoologist sounds like it would suck. You have to do a lot of weird, gross stuff. And yeah, all. it's like it's like being a doctor, but could it's you imagine to- having to pick up elephant poop? It would be so yeah. Large. But like, I mean, like humans can tell you like, oh, I don't feel so good. But like animals, they're just like mm. just do gross stuff, and you're like, something's wrong. <laughs> something's not right. <laughs> Hannibal is in Italy now. He's made it across the Alps with his, some of his elephants, not all of them. And he was outnumbered because he only has 26,000 troops of his own. So he's outnumbered by the so Roman army. and outmanned? Yeah, he's outnumbered, outplanned too. Actually, he's not outplanned. That's important. He uses the terrain to his advantage, even though he's not from Italy. What? Um, so he's very tactically smart, which is why a lot of people still study what, like, his kind of battle plans. Do you like the Alexander the Great of before that? <laughs> yes, but I think he's after that. Is he what? I think so. When was Alexander the Great? Later on, the concept of, like, one of Alexander the Great's, um, like, because you know how he had, like, different, like, spheres of influence, kind of, and he, like, broke them up amongst different families? Oh, he was first. Yeah, he was first. Wow. I one of those like comes up later. Oh. So, anyways. Alexander the Great died before Alexandria was founded. Thank you, Daily Mail. <laughs> well, there was lots of Alexandrias, if that helps. I mean, to be fair, it's a top story from Daily Mail from one day ago, <laughs> so whoever was writing this was really... What the heck? If it helps them, I know they're talking about Alexandria and Egypt. There's so many articles that have come out in the past, like, day about Alexandria. Uh, maybe the they just made a big discovery about his death or Alexandria. Um, Having said that, though, it's worth noting that there's loads and loads of Alexandrias that were initially named after him. Obviously, they mean the one in Egypt, though. Yeah, I know. Big old library. But it makes me laugh because, sorry, this is a tangent, but um, he named lots of cities after himself because he was conceited to the point that I think it's in Turkey. I could be wrong because, obviously, this is not part of the episode, but 
I think it was Turkey where they were like, oh, what are we going to name this one? He was like, Alexandria. And they were like, hon, we've named so many cities Alexandria. Can we, can we pick a new name? And he was like, Iskandran. And they're like, oh, I love it. What's Iskandran mean? He's like, it means Alexandria in a different language. So he was so self-obsessed. He was the true narcissist of his time. You know what? Respect, though. He did the do. He was a true gay icon. It's like... What? He was gay, you know, right? Was he actually? Well, he had a lover who was a man, Ooh, so saucy. you know, in in the sense Honestly, that like history is so gay. Yeah, well, the Greeks were so gay, to be honest. I mean, yeah, they had that whole like gay army that was like yeah. I mean, so the Greeks were really gay. Okay. Anyways, Hannibal is less gay, I think, or maybe he's really gay, and that's why we know nothing about his wife. I don't know. His love yeah, life comes up. Where is his wife? Like, is she, oh, she, she gone? They got married ages ago. Yeah, but, like, no where one cares. Is she? I don't. I don't know. She's okay. irrelevant. She only she only came up in the sense that I knew that he married someone and that's it. Being like a fancy boy's wife back then was probably a good deal because like he would just fuck off and then he would just be gone. Yeah, and you're just like, well, alrighty. As long as he doesn't like you know get killed or something. She was like living the fancy life. She was also like I think like from a tribe in Spain, so she might not have been living that like high life. Or if she was, she was probably like, what the fuck is this high life? Like I, this is not what we're doing. Anyways, that's irrelevant. Anyways, good for her though. I, I, you know, I wish her all the best. Yeah. So he used the terrain to his She's advantage. She's super dead. She's super dead. <laughs> I wish her the best. She's gone. Good luck, ma'am. If you're in heaven or hell or whatever we're Where, doing, wherever you may be in the in the just the in the underworld, never ending darkness. That you know. Good luck, ma'am. We're sorry that history's forgotten you. So no, uh, we have not. We're here for this lady, whatever her name is. Where a milky or milky or whatever. A milky, a milky, milky. Milky. Thanks, milky. We love you. Okay, anyways. So, yeah, so he was outnumbered, but he used the terrain to his advantage. And his army was a lot more maneuverable than the Romans. I was reading the Romans, when they try to turn, they have to kind of make a circle, which I think is because they tended to march in a line. So their line had to kind of... Honestly, can you imagine being at the very end of that shit? You have to do all the work. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways. So... In the, right at the beginning of the war, because it was that surprise that they showed up in Italy, they won a bunch of key battles despite being outnumbered, and they took control of northern Italy. At this point, he basically tries to present himself as a liberator, because in northern Italy, there were obviously, like, Romans, but then there were also some of these kind of various tribal groups as well. So he's like, oh, we're here to liberate you from Roman control. And some of them, like, actually were like, yeah, okay, that's fine. So some of them joined him. Really? Uh, Yeah. Honestly, but I, like, if I was a peasant back then, and someone was like, I'm here to help you, like, "Mm." I'd just be like, yeah, okay. Okay. And then the old guys come back, and they're like, we're here to bring you back, and I'd be like, oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah, whatever you say. Those people probably had to put up with so much shit that they, at this point, were just like, cool, yeah, okay. So... So he starts, because the, some of the other people start to support him, um, there's Gauls in his army, there's those people from Iberia, there's um, some Celts in his army. So I was reading this in Polybius, one of these um, Roman historians. Now Polybius is actually writing like the closest to the events, so some people think his is like one of the more reliable sources. Polybius. He said that um, because... He had all of these allies, but then it's kind of hard to trust these allies because they're so new. Like, some of them, like the Iberian ones, I think they were more established because he'd been in Iberia for so long. Yeah. But some of these new ones, like the Celts, he's like, ooh, I don't know if these people might, like, stab me in the back, literally, figuratively, whatever. Um, 
so he wasn't certain he could trust them. So Polybius himself, in the in like one of the texts, writes that he had a number of wigs made, dyed to suit the appearance of persons differing widely in age, and kept constantly changing them, at the same time also dressing in a style that suited the wig, so that not only those who had seen him but for a moment, but even his familiars found difficulty in recognizing him. Oh my god. So he's like a master of disguise. Wig snatch. <laughs> So I just imagine him. I just like, love it. He is worried about getting assassinated. He learned from yeah. his dad and his hemestable. <laughs> and, like, he's out here, like, trying to make Protecting. Sure. Like, honestly, we I protect, respect. He I attack. Res- I respect. Because, you we know respect. What? We respect. Yeah, well, because, like, honestly, I don't know how hard wigs were to make back then. But he had multiple. Yeah, and, like, I mean, it would probably look like shit. Like, it probably was not, like, a good, like, you know, you know. Also, I imagine, because, like, like, he was a guy, so I imagine that he had, like, these long wigs, and he's like, hello, fashion. (laughs) Just, like, like, you know those, like, montages when, like, like, people are, like, having, like, makeovers, like, Princess Diaries or whatever? Like, I just see him, like, pulling back a curtain, like, with all these (laughs) different wigs. Like, what do you think? See, I just get this image of, like... Like, he's like, hello, I'm Hannibal. And then all of a sudden, he, like, takes out the glasses with the mustache attached. And he's like, no, I'm not. But with wigs. But with wigs. <laughs> like, the fact that nobody recognized him when he's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird story. Honestly, you know what? I, I, like, I like the strategy. I think it's a good one. I just like that that's literally in, like, the history. Like, poor history students for time immemorial have had to read that and be like, what? Wig. Honestly, like, I'm, you know, he would love today when we have, like, colorful wigs and stuff. He could really... Amazon, you can buy a wig so cheap. He could really feel his fantasy and just live that life. Alrighty. And so, that's, I think, where we're going to wrap up this episode. But Megan and I will be back with the second half of Hannah's life. And we will finish up the story. Um, And thanks for listening to our first ever podcast. I'm so pleased that you guys all tuned in. If you want to follow me... Um, or get in contact or anything, you can find me on Twitter. That is at, um, it's at Happy History Pod. I just learned that because of kind of the Twitter length regulations on handles, Happy Hour History was too long, so I was not pleased about that. Um, so it's Happy History Pod. Um, you can follow me there. I have not tweeted it all yet. Maybe you'll see tanks with googly eyes, <laughs> and then you'll know Honestly, what it means. You better follow through on that. I'm going to have to remember now. I will now. hold you to that. Um, so hopefully that will be my first ever tweet. Um but please follow me there. You can interact. Feel free to ask questions or tell me that I totally messed everything up. That's fine. Be nice to um, her. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. You guys can also follow me on Instagram. That's at Happy Hour History Pod. Or you can find me on Facebook. That is just Happy Hour History. The other thing is, is that I have um, an email account. So if you want to email me anything, that is happyhourhistorypod at gmail.com. And you can send me anything there, questions or whatever. And I haven't really mentioned this yet, but... Well, I mentioned that Megan kind of requested this topic. And so some of my topics are going to be from um, the guest host. Some of the topics will just be things that I want to teach. But also um, because... I'm big on fan interaction. You know, my fans. Uh-huh. <laughs> my fan. No, just kidding. Um, but I'm just big me on... me and your mom. Yeah, basically. My fans. <laughs> it's a true fan group. Um, there's two of you, so it's real. There you go. We can um, start a club. Exactly. But I'm big on kind of... This, this podcast really doesn't have like a specific niche topic. It's just kind of history that we talk about while we're sort of tipsy. 
So there's a lot of freedom of kind of movement in terms of what we talk about. So if anyone out there really has something that they would like to learn about or something that they know a lot and they just like to hear us be dumb about it and mess it up, feel free to kind of submit topic ideas and I will try to add those to the list. I've already got a pretty decent list of things that I'd like to do, but it's good to kind of get other ideas, especially because I tend to stick to like British and European history and that um, is terrible for all historians to do. So kind of get me outside of um, my box and I will try to learn things that you guys propose. So feel free to message me or tweet at me and we will see you guys for the rest of Hannibal's story next time. Bye! Bye!